with the first pick in the NFL draft. Hey guys, welcome back, DraftCast, and we are nearly done. The entire first round, out of there. We watched it, the whole thing happened, we're going to talk about the first round today. The entire draft happened, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's a few days later, usually we'll do our instant reactions while we're a little bit tipsy from a whole day of studying and a little bit of drinking, but this time, we took a few days off, we digested the whole thing, we're going to give you our complete thoughts I've already watched or listened to a handful of podcasts that kind of discuss the first round. I'm going to try to maneuver, we're going to try to maneuver around what the most common talking points are and try to kind of hit some other spots that we think were really impressive and interesting. But we'll we'll try to cover as much as we can in the next podcast. We'll talk about the rest of the draft and then maybe we'll have one more where we kind of wrap everything up and go over next year so we can get. But we're pretty much done. So. Uh, not a lot to talk about here. I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, Zach. You <laughs> were stressing out pretty hard. And uh, at the end of the day, you got half of what you wanted. So uh, where are you at now, a few days removed? You know, I like it. The The entire time and what I said when we were doing our final takes episode was that I wanted there to be some logical train of thought behind the 49ers pick of Trey Lance, which I know is going to be our first topic here coming up. Um, because that really was the domino that everyone was waiting to fall to see how the rest of the draft would be defined. Um, I wanted Fields. Fields was my number two overall quarterback. That's, but Trey Lance was my number three ranked quarterback. And I have said on multiple occasions that the physical differences between Fields and Lance, Lance is a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, a little bit bigger. All of that equates to a, an overall higher ceiling. That's the logical train of thought in taking Lance over Fields is that you want the guy with the absolute highest ceiling of any quarterback in this class. And that's Trey Lance. You know, he even has a stronger arm than Trevor Lawrence and is faster. He might not be as tall, but he's a little bit thicker. Like the ceiling just based on athleticism and physicality is higher with Trey Lance than any other draft uh, quarterback in this class. So you take the highest ceiling guy, I can get behind that logic, I'd be all behind that pick. There was no logical train of thought where you could get to Mac Jones. That is why I was pulling my hair out for over a month. And that is why... (laughs) Exactly. And then that is why when the pick finally was announced, Goodell called Trey Lance back from the green room and Mac Jones was still sitting there being weird and fat. I (laughs) just breathed a sigh of relief it wasn't even excitement at that point because we had been going over this for so long that I was just I was like I said I was exhausted at that point so the relief of hearing Trey Lance's name called it was a wonderful thing and uh yeah I like Trey Lance I feel pretty good about that I guess I'll just hit this now I feel pretty vindicated about my quarterback takes from the past few months here 
my uh, final rankings ended up being the exact order that they went in. Uh, obviously, that doesn't mean that I am right or proven long term. Obviously, it's going to take a while to find out how these guys turn out. But for the next three months while we have nothing else, I, I feel pretty good. I feel like I was technically correct in some form. But I feel even furthermore because my my disparity between Lance and Fields is, I think, where I kind of hit uh, going towards as the Broncos were kind of in that quarterback market. By the time it was getting to the end of it and I was thinking that Trey Lance may fall, I was pretty much all on board the Trey Lance train. I still had him as my three because I really like Zach Wilson, but it's clear he would go number two. And it just the fact that he's the smartest, at least in my mind, and that totally held up on the tape I saw along with this crazy upside and uh, rushing ability and everything else, he was the one that I wanted. And it just makes sense that he would go three and that Lance would fall a little bit more because to me, I guess, and again, this doesn't make me right long term, but for now, my lining on uh, Justin Fields kind of lines up with what the leagues was, is that there's there was a gap. There wasn't like a significant camp to me. I thought two through five were all very talented and could reasonably go in any order. And it could be any of them could be as good as the other. Anyone could have the highest floor. Anyone could have the highest ceiling at the end of the day because they're all really talented. But there was that little bit of disparity because Trey Lance to me was an incredibly smart player with all the upside. Trey Lance or um, Justin Fields isn't necessarily not a smart person. I'd imagine. In fact, I'm pretty sure he got really good offers from some uh, higher grad schools. Uh, but as in terms of football player, I do believe the OSU scheme kind of held him back. I don't think it gave him good uh, tendencies. I think he's going to take a little bit longer to uh, hone that part in. And for that reason, and that's a, that's a harder thing to develop in a quarterback, the twitchy trigger, the, the, the not staring down receivers, making full field reads. It's not that he can't. It never was that he can't. It's just that he wasn't asked to do that at a very difficult level as much as, say, Trey Lance was. So and even Trey Lance wasn't asked to do it a significant amount. But I saw that a little bit more for him. So I feel a bit vindicated early on. I'm still rooting for all of them. I think they're all going to be good. I hope they're all going to be good. More good quarterback play is a better product for the NFL and for us as fans. But uh, I think Trey Lance in San Francisco is going to be a home run. Oh, I'm also mad because I took Justin Fields anyway because that's where I was going with with the San Francisco pick in our draft battle. And now he's in Chicago and Trey Lance is in San Francisco. And I really just wish I took Trey Lance like I should have. I got to stop playing that game with spite. But uh, yeah, Trey Lance, great, great <laughs> pick, guys. Good, good, good job. You did the right thing. I think that's going to work out significantly well. I think he's going to have to ride the bench for at least half the season. If Garoppolo can stay healthy, he'll probably be able to toe that line and hold the team up. But by the end of the season, I think Trey Lance is going to be able to outplay him. There won't be any reason really not to give him snaps. Uh, I don't think the 49ers are going to be a hot take, apparently. I don't think the 49ers are going to be a great team in 2021. Playoff team is possible. I wouldn't be surprised if they missed it in that division. But in 2022, when they can get their young talent a little bit more in their prime, Trey Lance gets a full off se- two full off seasons and a year to develop. I think they are looking really good long term now. Well, I'm sure we'll get back to to that debate at the other another time about whether they are a playoff team or not. But <laughs> the, every day on Twitter, <laughs> your team was the one that. Uh, was making some waves early on because we weren't sure if the Broncos were going to be picking it at a number nine. We thought that uh, that pick might be shipped off for Aaron Rodgers, but uh, they ended up using it. So how do you feel about uh, Patrick Sertan, who you ended up with? Yeah, we're just going to talk about these guys because they're on my team. Uh, We won't spend too much time on Sertan because... It's a less interesting pick out of everything, but I, they really put money into fixing a position that was an issue last year. The cornerback, our defense was overall good for having such a bad offense that couldn't control the ball or score for anything and having at points 
a cornerback starting group of Michael Ojemudia, Duke Dawson, and Asang Bassey, which was not good. And then even A.J. Boye at times wasn't too great in and out of the lineup uh, with injuries and suspensions. So they put a lot of money into the secondary, and I'm really excited because at the end of the day, Sertan is going to be really good for us long term. Uh, Kyle Fuller's only on a one year. He uh, And then um, who's the other one? Bryce Callahan only has one more year left. He has injury problems. Uh, Darby also hasn't been known for to be the healthiest player. So I think this gave, gives us ultimate flexibility in the cornerback room. We already had great safeties. We even drafted more. Uh, and my view with this has been consistent. Ever since the cornerback episode, Sertan was my number one. I called him Sertan a lot because that's how it's spelled in my head. But I'm so sorry, Sertan, for pronouncing it wrong like I do with many names throughout the entire process here. Uh, but yeah, I, he was my number one, even over Caleb Farley at the height of it, just because I prefer my safer players. You look into him more. I absolutely love the player. I think he's excellent. I was really happy with it because at the end of the day, if we didn't go quarterback, I just didn't want to take a position where we could trade back, which we had a few offers for, and get an equally good player. So I didn't want Slater because we could trade back and get, say, Darisar Jenkins. I didn't want Micah Parsons because of his off-the-field issues, but we could also trade back, get Jamin Davis. We can get Baron Browning at the end of the third, apparently. Uh, there's just gooder, there's just better players uh, at better values for a trade down than those. Cornerback was not the thing. I was a little bit more uh, eager to take one, even with the investments into it, just because it was a horn and Sertan draft. After that, Greg Newsom has some injury issues. He's a little bit more risky. There's a big gap between him and, and uh, Sertan. Caleb Farley was obviously a huge injury concern, so I was really content with Sertan. Uh, I thought we got the good value. I love him as a player. I think he gives us long-term flexibility, and it might not be a quarterback. Some are going to be frustrated with that. I'm just glad it wasn't Mac Jones, even though now I'm a little bit worried because the Patriots got him, and if Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are talking, it, it, we may have messed up a little bit in the process here. But, uh, yeah, I really like Sertan. I was pretty content with this pick. So... Uh... The expectation is that Denver is the leader in the clubhouse for Aaron Rodgers, and that's probably why they passed on Justin Fields and Mac Jones at this point. Um, I'm assuming that you are probably in agreement there? I don't know if that's the reason we passed on. I think if we liked either of them enough, we would have taken them. I don't think you uh, wait on that and bet your whole future on whether or not you get Aaron Rodgers. I will say that made that day so much more stressful uh, but, and also really <laughs> exciting. But now we're just going to be held hostage like Chicago was with Russell Wilson, and I'm not sure I'm too excited for it, but it does seem like there's a little bit more room for this to happen. So I'm definitely hoping for it, but we traded for Teddy Bridgewater at first. I wasn't going to be for that move, but it was for extraordinarily cheap, so I'm not too mad. And at the end of the day, you go all in on quarterback next year if it doesn't work out this year, if we don't get Rodgers, if Locke doesn't improve, if Teddy Bridgewater is whatever, which he is. But um, it's 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 about roster building. Uh, I think if we really, really, really liked Fields, if the NFL was higher on Fields, we probably would have taken him anyway. We didn't. I wasn't too upset with that because obviously I'm not as high on Fields. But um, Trey Lance went. And I was kind of sad about that because I wanted him. I hope we get Aaron Rodgers. I'm happy with Sertan if it doesn't work out. I hope that lock can improve to the point where we can at least utilize this really good, well-built roster to make a playoff push. If it doesn't happen, spend everything to get a QB next year. That's plenty fun. Yeah, that, that's a fair take. All right. So, and one point I wanted to make going further more is that as us, you know, online, Twitter, Reddit, everywhere else, online scouts, 
we don't get access to medicals and we don't get access to these interviews. And in reality, those are like two of the biggest factors in taking a prospect. Sometimes it's the person, sometimes it's sketchy concerns. So despite the fact that a lot of people were really high, including myself on Tevin Jenkins and uh, JOK, there's no way we can predict them falling all the way to the second round and even to the middle of the second round. These were first round prospects through and through for pretty much everybody. And there's just no way we could have been able to tell. Apparently with Tevin Jenkins, it might even be character concerns, which blew my mind because I thought his character was perfectly fine. I thought it was even good. Apparently there's a hip issue. No clue. You can do all the research you want and you can just not find these things. JOK had a heart condition. No one knew that for several days after. So there's going to be fallers every year, and we're not going to be able to predict it. It's just you got to hope that these guys can get healthy and some team gets a really good value there. Yeah, it's – like you said, it's impossible to tell that. We do, we're we not doctors, and we don't have access to the medical things. And probably, I mean, it's really unfortunate that the medical records of all of these kids – just everybody knows it, and it's really unfortunate that that's the case. Um, but that does explain the pretty big fall. I had those guys going 14-15 in my final mock, and Jenkins fell to the second round, and uh, actually both of them fell to the second round. So, you know, if I had known those things, would I have changed the mock? Probably, but at the same time, I, I feel kind of gross knowing it as well, so... I'm not really sure how to rectify that situation. Yeah, nothing we're going to be able to do. All right, so let's get into the biggest surprises of the of the draft because there's three big ones. Everyone's already covered them, so we're not going to spend extensive time here. Uh, and then we're going to get into our favorites and least favorite picks of the draft before we finalize with our how our mocks went and what really kind of caught us off guard. So I'm going to let you choose. Do you? I got Parsons. Do you want Leatherwood or ETN? I'll take ETN. All right, hit us I... with it because you loved him, right? I, I do love ETN. But. <laughs> but James Robinson did really good for you last year. Yeah, um, really good. When you are the worst team in the NFL, um, because you had the worst record, you are one of, if not the worst, you are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, when you are that bad, you're going to have a lot more needs than a running back and i love etn he's my rb1 i that i haven't moved off of that stance jacksonville got my rb1 at the end of the first round great for them but you could have done so much more with that pick your secondary is awful and greg newsom was still on the board when you took uh travis etn your offensive line is still not great you probably could use some depth at wide receiver if you want to go for a playmaker you know Rashad Bateman was still on the board for you right there my wide receiver four Uh, there's so much that could have had a better impact on your roster and on wins your fans want to see wins and there's so many more players that could have helped you get closer to getting those wins than Travis Etienne a running back when you already had a pretty darn good running back on your roster in James Robinson. I don't get it. Um, maybe there's something in the fact that ETN is really good as a receiver that and James Robinson maybe didn't show that as much last year. Maybe that's it, but if you're looking at for a back who is really good as a receiver, 
Kenneth Gainwell went in the third round. Grab him there and then take Rashad Bateman or Greg Newsome or somebody else in the first. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think, well, I'm not really going to, but a little bit. I think on paper, James Robinson and Travis Etienne are a really exciting kind of thunder-lightning duo. Be able to run the ball, do what you can, take some pressure off Travis Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then they had another pick at the top of the second, so they're feasibly going to get a really good value there. But you're absolutely right. That's kind of pretty rich, especially considering this is part of the uh, Jalen Ramsey trade. So officially that became Calavion Chase on and Travis Etienne. There's a decent chance that Jalen Ramsey outplays Travis Etienne in the long run. So it's kind of hard to say if this is going to really be worth it in the long term. It probably won't. We'll see if Urban Meyer actually can utilize him and make something out of him within these next four years. Because even if they pay him, that's a whole nother well to go down. So, uh... Alex Leatherwood was definitely a reach. I've made my feelings about him very clear. Uh, the Raiders have a history of taking players that don't necessarily line up with the value that they're picking at. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because I thought the same about uh, Colton Miller, and they developed him pretty well, and Alex Leatherwood has a lot of upside. I don't think it's going to happen. I think this is going to be probably closer to an Arnett or an Abram situation, but at least with Tom Cable there, which is a strange thing to say because a few years this would have been the exact opposite situation, we'll see if he can develop him too but probably your reach. Micah Parsons was really interesting going to the Cowboys. This is a player whose talent I absolutely love. I think he was a clear linebacker one. I think he has all the upside in the world. I cannot think of a worst fit for Dallas. This team clearly does not care about character concerns whatsoever, especially after the ball pick that really hammered that home. But man, I, I really needed Mark. I, I uh, mocked him to the Giants because I thought that was perfect. They have Joe Judge there. He'd be a hard ass on him. He'd get him straight. He'd make sure he lives up to his potential. More importantly, or at least slightly more importantly in terms of football play, they have really good defensive tackles. They can control the trenches up front. That was going to allow Micah Parsons to get in there, chase and run, slowly learn to read the field better, work on his awareness. And they have a good secondary on the back end, too. It would help cover him up. I thought they'd be able to get the most out of him right away. The Cowboys are the exact opposite in pretty much every way. They don't have a good defensive line. They don't have a good pass rush. They don't have a good secondary. They're going to let Parsons get killed. I'm worried about his development even. I'm worried if they're going to be able to keep his head on straight. Great, great player. Even when they made the pick at the time, I was kind of trying to defend it because I thought Parsons was probably worth around this level of pick. And the more you think about it, the worse Dallas is for Parsons. And Parsons probably isn't going to be that good for Dallas as a result either. Yeah, it seems pretty reactive to the Sean Lee news. Um, Maybe they were just upset that they missed out on Horn and Sertan. Um, But either way, it at least they traded back and picked up a couple extra picks before they got him. <laughs> you know, I think Micah Parsons at 10 probably would have looked a whole lot worse than Micah Parsons at 12, but uh, it's still just, again, with the value of what they needed and what was available. I mean, you had Rayshon Slater staring you right in the face and you just gave him away to the chargers. Uh, I'm sure you were even more upset about that. I don't really look at the Chargers as a rival, <laughs> even though they're really good and it's going to cause problems for me. I, it, if the Chargers are a good team, it it, it, it doesn't bother me. In fact, I, I even really like the pick. I think you're going to talk about this. Let's just, let's just skip to that. Let's just talk to you about some of our favorites and some of our worst picks. We have very opposite views on Justin Fields here. So let's just kind of start there. We'll get back to Slater. 
I like Justin Fields. I think he's a good prospect. There's plenty of to like about him. You love Justin Fields. You think he's the world, and I can understand why. To me, the problem here, and 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 for the record, on all the podcasts I've listened to, on all the draft grades and everything, everyone loves the Justin Fields to Chicago move. I think if you're Chicago, you have to pull this move. I don't necessarily dislike them from a front office perspective of having to do that, and I don't think they gave up a significant amount to move up that much and get your future franchise quarterback. I don't. I just don't like the match, and I'll let you defend it here. But I don't know if Chicago is the best place to really put Justin Fields on and let him learn. You got a weird quarterback group of Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and Justin Fields. And first off, if I'm Andy Dalton, I'm pissed. And if I'm Chicago, I don't really care. But at the same time, Andy Dalton just got like blatantly lied to because they were like all aboard him. He's like, oh yeah, Andy Dalton, you're our guy. We're not going to have quarterback. We're not going to get anyone else. We'll give you this year to prove your worth out the window and he's going to be booed off the field the second he throws an interception or has an even half bad game which will probably be quickly to be fair i just i it's it's a weird it's a weird mix usually when you draft a young quarterback very high in the draft you usually have a young team or a team at least entering their prime and you're like ready to roll uh the chicago has six starters on their defense who are going to be over the age of 30 this year uh, their best players up front in Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks are both 30 or 31. They do have Roquan Smith. That is the one young part of their front seven. But otherwise, the bad contract in uh, Robert Quinn, they release Kyle Fuller. So now you're really banking on Jalen Johnson to come in there and be really good because it's pretty thin behind them. You got a new defensive coordinator there. The offensive line is really mediocre. And the, Jevin, the Tevin Jenkins thing is annoying, too, because I love Tevin Jenkins. But it seems like they're really setting him up to fail. Uh, switching them to left tackle right away. They have massive holes at right guard and right tackle. The weapons are pretty give or take. You got Allen Robinson there at least. I love Darnell Mooney. You hope that they can develop him. To me, it's it's just a really weird mix. If Justin Fields isn't coming in and is an immediate hit either this year or next year, Chicago's going to miss their window. Their defense gets bad. They won't have a first-round pick next year. And by the time Justin Fields might grow into himself, Chicago is going to be kind of starting over and then working with a good quarterback, which could hold them in mediocrity. So long term, I'm not sure if this works. I think if Justin Fields is really a hit, it has to be right away and they can maybe go all in next year. If not, I think their window is just tiny. So we actually feel more similarly about this pick than I think me having it under my favorites and you having it under your not favorites indicates. So... Justin Fields, like I said, my QB too. Any quarterback that goes to Chicago is going to be in the same situation that you mentioned. So whether it was Mac Jones, whether it was Fields, whether any any quarterback, if they took a quarterback in the first round, that's what they were going to get. And the your starting quarterback is Andy Dalton on a one-year contract. You need a long-term answer at quarterback, and you need you need to be aggressive if you want to try to get out of quarterback mediocrity, quarterback purgatory. So I applaud Chicago for having the cojones to trade up and get Justin Fields when they saw him starting to fall. We knew New England was high on Justin Fields. We learned that Minnesota was going to take Justin Fields at 14 if he fell. They probably couldn't have waited too much longer to trade up than what they did at 11. Now, I completely agree with you that the, I mean, Matt Nagy has proven that he cannot do a very good job at developing young quarterbacks. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is now a backup to Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills. 
we know that Matt Nagy isn't quite the offensive genius that we held him out to be when he first got the Chicago job. We know that the offensive line has been, you know, mediocre. Like the outside of a few positions on defense with Eddie Jackson and Cleo Mack, the entire Bears roster has just been toiling in mediocrity for years now. So do I like the situation that Justin Fields is going into? It's probably you know, second worst, maybe worse than the Jets. You know, I also have similar worries about Zach Wilson and his success moving forward because of the situation around him. Now, I think the Jets did a great job of putting people around uh, Zach Wilson to help him succeed. But Justin Fields to Chicago, they needed to do something aggressive to try to make something work. If Justin Fields can come in and you know, live up to the evaluation that I and many others had of him, then that was the best shot that you were going to get to save Matt Nagy's job, to save Ryan Pace's job, and to try to make some noise in the NFC. Otherwise, you're going to be the same or worse than you already were. So I think that this is probably the second worst situation for any quarterback going into this draft. Um, I don't like that Justin Fields is in it because I want him to succeed long term. I am nervous about that, but I love the move because this is what Chicago had to do if they wanted any chance to even have that window. If they didn't make this move, that window that you're talking about is tiny. It's non-existent if they don't make this move. That's why I love Justin Fields to Chicago. All right, let's move on to a couple other ones because it sounds like we do kind of agree. We kind of agree, we kind of disagree. We're, we're pretty much in the same boat here. Uh, two of my favorite other ones, or uh, my least favorite ones, actually. Let's knock those ones out first. Elijah Vera Tucker to the Jets. My God, do I love the prospect. I think he's excellent, and to a degree, I can understand the Jets just wanting one of the more sure things in their draft, put him right next to my Kai Becton, have a really good blind side for their young uh, uh, quarterback. It, it, was, it was a good move in terms of talent acquired, trading that much up two-thirds for a guard is kind of rough and i don't think avt is quite the level of guard quentin nelson was in terms of a prospect actually he wasn't even close because quentin nelson is unearthly but avt is really really good i love the player i love the matchup that much for a guard is rough when you had so many picks you could address that position later and get a good player where they already were especially like say christian derisaw they could have made that move had their bookend tackles not gave up extra thirds, maybe get a better running back in the end, maybe trade up for a different player even, uh, Jalen Phillips maybe. I have a lot of questions about that move up. And then Zayvon Collins, and then I'll let you actually, I'll, I'll transition to you because you actually have this in the same place. Um, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Again, on paper, some of these moves make sense. I love that Zayvon Collins is going to be this linebacker slash defensive line combination, whereas Isaiah Simmons is this linebacker slash defensive back combination. If they can get really interesting and do some unique things, I can see this working out. In terms of team building, I just don't really get it for Arizona. You have this offense that's really specific. They ended up getting Elijah Moore, which is or Rondale Moore rather, which is pretty a good value, but the offensive line's still kind of in a rough spot. Uh, the defense needed cornerbacks and they didn't get any, at least early. I think their earliest one was like a fourth rounder. 
And again, Greg Newsom, somebody who's there, they could trade back, get a good value. Is The pick itself was a little bit more interesting, and the spot that they did it in was really interesting. And how much they're investing into the linebacker position with tweeners is really interesting to me. So uh, I'm going to let you finish with your thoughts on Zayvon Collins, and then you can go to your other ones. Yeah, with the NFC West, there's a lot of speed there. You know, you've got Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in Seattle. You've got the the guys in uh, L.A. You've got Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and now Trey Lance in San Francisco. And f- for your hole at middle linebacker, you select a very large, who, uh, albeit he's fast for his size, you know, for his size, he's faster than we expected him to be, but still more a big bruising linebacker. Like, the, it doesn't make sense with the teams that you're going to have to go up against. And, you know, similarly to Mike Parsons, there's some pretty major holes on that Arizona defense, and there was a lot of guys still available. Caleb Farley was still available at that point. I know the medical issues with him, but he was still available. And,. I think they could have done a lot more of value with that pick. Um, and, and value is kind of where you run into all of my bad picks. You know, Kadarius Tony to the Giants, you know, on a team that has Kenny Galladay. You know, if you were able to get one of the top three options, which it was rumored that the Giants wanted Devontae Smith um, before the Eagles jumped them to grab him at number 10 then okay, yeah, great. If you want a absolute star wide receiver, one of those top three, go ahead and take them. But, and, you know, props to Dave Gelman for at least trading back before doing this, but there's other ways that you could have improved your roster rather than drafting a receiver who is going to need accurate ball placement in order to do what he does best, which is run after the catch. And that ain't Daniel Jones. Sorry to break it to Giants fans, but Daniel Jones is not going to be the guy to hit Kadarius Tony in stride to allow him to create after the catch. That's why you got Kenny Galladay, was because Kenny Galladay can make up for all of Daniel Jones's sucking. Um, I don't like the fit of Kadarius Tony to the Giants there. And then Peyton Turner to the Saints. You know, we didn't even discuss Peyton Turner because we thought he was going to be kind of a mid round guy. And then his athletic testing apparently was enough to move to you know get the chatter talking about him, and it got so out of hand that he was drafted by New Orleans and at the end of the first round with guys like Jason Owe, Joe Tryon, Gregory Rousseau, all of those guys still on the board, and New Orleans goes with Peyton Turner. I feel like. I don't know. I feel like there could have been a lot more that they could have done if they wanted an edge defender there. Um, I'm not going to say he's going to be a failure because at least he's got elite athleticism. It's not like they spent the pick on a guy with, you know, bad athleticism and all that. He's got a chance, but I I feel like they could have done more there. Yeah, and I was talking to the whole nine guys on the stream for the first round, which is funny because you chose the, the two teams that I was talking to and Brandon and Dylan. And Brandon specifically is a Florida Gators guy and a New York Giants guy. So he was ecstatic about the pick. And I think he was a bit biased because when I said it, I didn't quite understand it. I knew he would be excited. I thought they needed to go in a couple different ways. I thought they could choose one of those young athletic edge rushers. I thought they could maybe choose a linebacker that was available. Uh, and they still invested into wide receiver. So, yeah, for the most part, 
I have the same sentiments about that pick as you. I didn't quite put it in the bad, but I was definitely trending toward that side. And then there was another Saints. There's two other Saints fans outside of Dylan on that stream when Peyton Turner got selected, and they were very confused and quiet at first, and then it just felt like Stockholm Syndrome for the rest of the night. They just kept going back like, yeah, you know, okay, I can get on board with this. Like, they'd keep looking into it, find something, and then just, like, try to get a little bit more excited about it. But in the tone and the back of their voice, they were kind of, like, kind of, it sounded kind of disappointing. And, yeah, uh, to be fair, to New Orleans, once you're picking that low, you know, you're kind of looking at your top 50 board with, like, the top 20 gone and thinking, like, who is not going to get back to us? Who do you like more? I agree. I think there are better players to take at the bottom of the first with the edge rushers available at they passed on for Peyton Turner. Uh, we'll see. It's just Mark and Marcus Davenport kind of over again without giving up all that stock. And we'll have to see. It'll take a few years to know if they made the right call or not. But at the time, it, it was a little bit interesting. Our favorite picks. Uh, some things that we think absolutely happened that we love that happened. I think Atlanta has been vindicated. Uh, for a while there, a lot of fans were wondering why they would go a tight end. Why would they go pass weapon there? It seems like in the end, I think they would have taken Trey Lance if he fell to him. It just they just got a growing sense that he wasn't. Either someone was going to trade in front of him, and then essentially someone did and took him. And as the rest of the league showed, they weren't going to quite spend that stock on Justin Fields or Mac Jones, so they might as well go all in with the best player available. Kyle Pitts was second on my big board, so it makes sense. Three quarterbacks go in front of you, get the best player available. Kyle Pitts was that to me, so I absolutely love Atlanta grabbing him. I think there was pretty much nothing else they could do. I think he'll replace Julio long-term completely fine with that Rashad Bateman to Baltimore thank God they finally invested outside wide receiver this year if they just ran in with Sammy Watkins next year you're playing a very scary game of injury risk there he could be oh so talented he just doesn't seem to stay healthy when you need him to be 2019 he kind of managed to do that outside of that it has been that lone exception throughout his career I think he will be beneficial to the team I think he'll be able to do a lot of good stuff for them on the outside you just got to question how long he'll be able to do that for as a number two and as kind of like this uh, de facto number one until Bateman can take over, Bateman was the perfect pick. They got him at a great value. They're able to get a true outside, a long-term wide receiver that can develop with this offense, develop with Lamar Jackson, finally let the guys on the inside kind of take over and open up space for them, finally have a sideline threat. I'm tired of people saying Lamar Jackson can't throw. He is not the most accurate. He is not the most precise quarterback thrower in the league. Obviously, I still think he's pretty good in those regards, and I think we finally have the weapons that can show that he can do that. And then Christian Derisaw, Minnesota. That was my mock draft pick to them. It was a fit that I just loved. He finally managed he, – he's a perfect prospect because he manages what their offensive linemen usually do in these really athletic second-level blockers. He does that. He finally adds strength that O'Neal and Bradbury, specifically Bradbury, don't really display. So I I think he does a little bit of everything and they traded down to get him. What an absolute steal. They could have taken him at 14 or one have blinked. I would have applauded them. That'd have been a good pick. Got a lot of draft stock to move down to 22 ish. I think it was 22. Take him there anyway. Great value, even better value on top of the trade. Excellent fit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Pitts to Atlanta. Great move. I love Bateman to Baltimore. And then, yeah, like you said, Minnesota trading back and still getting Darisaw. That's fantastic. Um, I probably would have at least put Bateman to Baltimore on my list, but I wanted to go with uh, three other guys to just talk about a little bit more. Uh, Penne Sewell to Detroit. Love that pick. I really thought that, you know, the, the Dan Campbell toughness was going to 
ooze its way into his first ever first round draft pick uh and i think penny Sewell there is absolutely perfect uh give jared goff a try you know you accepted him and his contract back in the matthew stafford deal because you know you have a little bit of faith that the guy is going to find the magic again from that super bowl year uh so but might as well protect him and bring in Penny Sewell. Whereas even if Goff does fail, at least, you know, you have a franchise left tackle for the future. Uh, similarly, I really like Rayshon Slater to the chargers. I mentioned that at the top of the show. And I think that when you have your franchise quarterback, like we assume that Justin Herbert is going to be as long as his rookie year, wasn't just a flash in the pan. You need to protect him. You need to protect that investment to make sure that he can do what he needs to do. And Rayshon Slater is going to... Injuries aside, unless something terrible happens there, I am going to almost guarantee that Rayshon Slater is going to be an above-average to good pro at least because if he doesn't... If he can't hang at tackle, you can move him into guard and he's at least going to be above-average to good there. Um, so I really like getting a guy that is going to guarantee an upgrade somewhere along an offensive line that was really bad for the Chargers last year. Uh, and then Greg Newsom to Cleveland. I know you mentioned the injury issues that he had, uh, but Cleveland really needed a second guy opposite of Denzel Ward, and that's what Newsom is going to be. You know, you can rotate him with Greedy Williams at first just to make sure that the number two corner is rested. That's going to help them as the game goes into the fourth quarter. Uh, but at the very least, you know, I think Newsom is going to be good in rotation, but I think that he's going to be better than that. I think he is going to be a guy who can come in and really give Cleveland a set of lockdown corners on the outside. And when you have to go against... I mean, seemingly a really dangerous set of quarterbacks and wide receivers in the AFC, you know, Patrick Mahomes and his guys, Josh Allen and his guys, potentially Aaron Rodgers and his guys, if he ends up going to Denver, uh, you're going to need a secondary if you want to get out of that, uh, if you want to get out of that conference and into a Super Bowl. So get the best guy available in Newsom and move on i really like what cleveland did there i like what cleveland did kind of all the way throughout the draft but we'll get to that in the next episode too yeah you had two players on there that i absolutely agree with the slater to the chargers just falling to him getting an instant impact player for justin herbert and greg newsome again falling to him some injury concerns there which is probably why he fell but if he can get healthy that's an instant impact player for a Cleveland secondary that desperately needs it. Sewell to Detroit was phenomenal as well. Good for them. Broke my heart to see Sewell go two picks before the Broncos, but that is a pipe dream anyway. All right, let's wrap this up with the first round. Uh, Zach and I both did our mock drafts at the end of the year, uh, right before the draft happened, and we both did pretty good. Seven is the most I've hit in a while. Zach got that one-fourth mark with eight. Uh, two of the picks that we chose uh, together, two of our similar picks uh, actually ended up going through with uh, Jalen Phillips to Miami and uh, Harris, uh, Najee Harris to the Steelers. Everyone had that, but you know what? We had it too. And then obviously Lawrence and Wilson go up front. I did a little bit better early on. I had Pitts to Atlanta and Baltimore and uh, Cincinnati getting Chase. And then I also had Darisaw later on to the Vikings. 
you ended up not doing too well within the top five outside of Lawrence and Wilson and ended up making a bunch of picks that weren't as popular with Jalen Waddle to the Dolphins, Penny Sewell to the Lions, and Devonta Smith to uh, the Eagles. So those were some impressive picks. I didn't see that very often, and you got it. Yeah, I, I was just looking at the matches there, and you know, I thought Jalen Waddle really provided a good diversification for what um, Miami needed. I didn't necessarily recognize that Jamar Chase would be off the board for Miami at this point. I think if I had, uh, that would have made the pick even easier for me because I was going back and forth between Waddle and Chase with that pick. Uh, and then Penny Sewell to Detroit, I just said the matchup just seemed too good to pass on if he was there. Uh, and thankfully, uh, everyone else passed on him. Uh, and, and I also called a Greg Newsom. That was my eighth for those counting at home. Uh, I called Greg Newsom to the Cleveland at the end of the first round. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that, especially given the fact that, you know, there's a couple of places where I really should have just, you know, moved off of my stubbornness. Uh, but I didn't, you know, I, I was kind of stuck on the Justin Fields, the San Francisco bandwagon. Um, you know, th- there was no buzz about Fields. And, you know, sometimes that actually does mean something. I, I was pretty confident it was not Mac Jones. And when the buzz started on Trey Lance, I should have switched over. Um, but I didn't. And I kept Fields. Uh, and then, you know, maybe that would have influenced a couple of things down the line with Atlanta. I didn't buy into the buzz about Kyle Pitts, but that turned out to be right. Um, and then I probably, if with Kyle Pitts off the board, probably would have gone Jamar Chase to Cincinnati. So everything kind of made sense after that domino fell of Trey Lance to San Francisco. I just was too stubborn to move off of it. And the lockdown guys put this really well, and a lot of them did really well in their mock drafts too. But you can get as you can get as many as you can, and unless you have like an amazing mock draft, you're usually going to go back and look at the guys that you missed, the rumors that you bought into that weren't true, the dominoes that fell that just had you going this guy over that guy. So you you can do pretty well. You always look at the things you miss, and there's going to be stuff that you miss every year because this is too unpredictable of a business to go perfect in. But hey, 7 out of 32 and 8 out of 32, I think we did pretty good. I think we covered this class pretty well. And uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to everything with us here. I know there's a handful of you guys that tune in pretty much every week, and uh, we really appreciate that. I'm glad you guys like a different perspective than all of the big names. And I listened to some of those guys, and I think we're a little more entertaining than them. But uh, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. we got a couple more episodes left to go, but then we're going to start looking at the 2022 draft because at the end of the day, this process never stops. We'll be back next year, but we got a few more things for you guys we hope you enjoyed i hope you guys enjoyed the draft i certainly did and uh we will see you for a little bit longer next time